This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast, Tuesday morning, April 13th, the year of our Lord, 2021. But hey, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. It could very well be the afternoon before you're listening to this. I don't even want to tell producer Jordan how to edit his life. It could very well be the afternoon. Excuse me. Allergies, pollen really bad in Nashville. Yeah, about to say, hold on, had another one. Jordan, you can choose to leave the sneezes in or not. I'm not even going to tell him how to edit his life. It may very well be the afternoon before this is even released. You know, I'd really love for someone one day to explain to me, maybe if it takes five minutes or less, how this happens. I have not sneezed once this morning. I've been up four or five hours. I've been in two meetings. I have not sneezed once. I hit record, boom, right out of the gate. Hachoo, hachoo. So, yeah, that's my struggle. I'm not complaining, though, because things are fractionally as bad in Nashville as they no doubt are back home in Georgia. So... I've lived with it my whole life. I will I will continue to saddle this bird, and if this is as bad as it gets for me, I can take it. We have got a loaded mailbag this morning. Uh, I am, I don't even know if I told you my name. I'm Josh Pape. The name of the pod is the Late Kick Extra Podcast. We do all Q&A. In fact, it is a triply loaded Q&A week for reasons I'm about to state. If you want to submit questions for this podcast, though, joshpate706 at gmail.com, or you can DM me on Instagram or Twitter at late kick Josh. The Instagram account is growing by leaps and bounds. Maybe some of you out there have an account, but you never log in. I'd even encourage you to give me a follow over there. I'm telling you, I many of you know what I'm talking about. Many of you will find out when it gets closer to the season, you're going to see some really, really good content over there. You don't get anywhere else. You don't get it anywhere else. I'm telling you because very few people are in the spots that I'll be in come fall. So go ahead and beat the rush and follow now. Uh, also, because we got over 2,000 on the aforementioned Instagram page, we, we're approaching 3,000 actually. We won't be far away from that. We have got a Late Kick Show Owners Association meeting coming up. We're recording that thing tomorrow night, tomorrow being Wednesday. Uh, it's not live. I'm just telling you that's when it's going down. It will be available in its entirety on the YouTube channel, I don't know, probably Thursday or Friday. Uh, we'll have it up in podcast form. We may even have to split it into two bits depending on how long it goes. So just stay tuned for that. I'll keep you updated on the uh, Twitter feed and whatnot, at Late Kick Josh as well on Twitter. But keep an eye on that. If you weren't drawn in the lottery this time, as I said, don't worry, because we're going to have another one fairly shortly. So we got so many names. We got hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of names. So don't worry. Uh, this format's going to be a lot better. I think when you watch this, if you're not already a part of this one, you'll want to be a part of the next one. So we're going to keep this rolling and keep adding to it. Uh, last little bit of information before we dive in this morning. I got a little bit of time. I have a few sessions open. Any of you looking to book one of the Zoom consultation sessions with me? Anybody wanting to get into podcasting? Anybody wanting to get into sports media? Anybody wanting to start their own YouTube channel? Whatever. JoshPate706 at gmail.com. All right, that's out of the way. Let's talk about some college football this morning as I scroll down here and open the document. 
Let's let Rob lead us off. Rob says, on the show last week, you and I touched on UCF possibly being the second best program in the state of Florida. Okay, I remember this now, Rob. Continue, Rob. Rob continues. UCF definitely hit a home run with the hiring of Gus Malzahn, but without a full recruiting class, do you think they're in a better position than Miami? No, I don't think that, Rob. I I remember, so it was before a Late Kick Live episode, you were in the chat there, and you were throwing this out there, and I was I was entertaining it. I think you, if you put me on a debate stage and you force me to take this position that UCF is the second best program in the state of Florida, I could do it. Uh, I wouldn't put them above Miami now. So let me make that clear. I wouldn't put them there. I don't think they're in a better position than Miami. It would take it would take Miami being severely down for UCF, even at the best level the program is operated at, to be placed above Miami because there's, as we all know, so much inherent value in being a Power Five program. I mean, the checks alone that you cash just for having the ACC sticker on your helmet mean a whole heck of a lot. So no, I wouldn't say that. And when we couple that with the fact that Miami is really trending up as a program right now, I'm not sure people realize this, but Miami was briefly a top 10 team last year. And because there's so much focus on the top four and we all know that there's really a gap, there was a gap last year between the top one and everyone else. If you're not in that conversation maybe the country's not paying as much attention to you, but I am. And so Miami was a really good program, a really good team last year. They are becoming a really good program under Manny Diaz. They are recruiting very well. This isn't a team hanging out in the low to mid-20s in recruiting. They are trending very well there, as they should. I think, as I've told you before, the transfer portal era and the NIL name image likeness era, it will only help Miami. There's 0.00% chance that's ever going to hurt, that that's ever going to be a default negative. For them. So, no, Rob, I wouldn't put them up there. However, I think you could also say that and at the same time maintain the stance that it's okay to be very bullish or very optimistic, shall we say, about the future of UCF. And who knows? If you ask this question in 2028, Rob, maybe UCF's not considered a G5 team anymore. Maybe they have joined a Power Five conference. Or, hey, what if as early as 2021, we end up looking at the AAC and saying, well, maybe they're better than the worst Power Five conference. And although technically nothing would shift, maybe in the ideology, maybe in the minds of a critical mass of college football, maybe that shift does happen. So we'll see. Mark is up next. Mark says, I went to undergrad school in the SEC, attended grad school in the Big Ten. It seems to me that football culture is more ruthless and pressure-filled in the SEC than in the Big Ten. How important is that factor to the SEC's overall success compared to the Big Ten? I went to a football factory in both conferences, and they are relatively comparable in terms of prestige and history. Mark, I think it's a huge, huge deal. I grew up in the South. Obviously, I have an inherent bias here in what I've observed the most of, but I've been around You know, since I elevated to be able to be paid to cover this stuff. I've been around, and so I've, I've experienced a healthy dose of both cultures. You're dead on the money here. I think people who have experienced both of those cultures they would agree with that. Now, how you grade that assessment and how you put your own flavor on it, I guess, and your own perspective, well, that's a case-to-case. Because one person who really, really loves sports could look at that and say, that means the SEC is better than the Big Ten. Someone else who values a sports life balance, they just want more balance in their life, they may look and say, they're way too myopic down in the South. At least in the Big Ten, they don't focus on this stuff 24-7 and it doesn't impact their mood. And, you know, they don't walk into work on Tuesday looking all depressed because their team lost the previous Saturday. It just depends. Whatever floats your boat, like whatever tune you like to sing, 
that will determine your perspective on which of these appeals to you. But I do think, going back to the question, Mark, because you asked, do you think that this has contributed to the SEC's overall success? Well, of course it has. And Mark, it's not just happening in football anymore. There's always been a chain reaction down here when one program, especially when it comes to a rivalry, when one program does something, there is immense, and when I say immense, I mean all caps, immense pressure on the other side of that rivalry to respond. Think about the late 2000s when Nick Saban comes to Alabama. Well, prior to that, Auburn had run off a string of five straight wins against the Tide, and then they beat Nick Saban in his first year, but then... 08, 09, like Nick Saban starts getting the job done. Well, that put so much pressure on Auburn. Anyone remember what Auburn did in 2010? They did something that you hadn't seen them do in a long time. That was win a national championship. So you may look at that, and you may not have very vivid memories of that. Or if you do have more vivid memories, you may say, well, yeah, but. And then you say something about Cam Newton, or you say something about this or that. Hey, the point is, all that was a result of the pressure that was put on Auburn. Well, then. I want you to transition to basketball because it happened. I kind of was thinking about this the other day in the inverse in basketball. So Bama basketball, not to talk hoops too much on here, like Alabama basketball has some tradition about it, but it's not, you know, a traditional blue blood program. Auburn goes and hires Bruce Pearl and Auburn ended up going to the final four year before last or year before this tournament. And so the people in Tuscaloosa looked at that and they said, wait a second. And there was a lot of pressure. And all of a sudden this year, Alabama's winning the SEC, winning the SEC tournament. They're they're going to what would they make it to the Sweet 16, I believe it was. And so you look and it's like a it's like a pendulum. It's like a domino effect. And it happens in football too. Now here's the curse. So kick it back to football. It's sort of a good news, bad news deal. Take Texas AM, for example. Texas AM as a program, I'm thoroughly convinced, is operating at this very moment at as high a level as we've ever seen them operate at in most of our lifetimes. Do you know that, though? Do you realize it? Because that's the good news. The good news is facilities have never been better. Investment and buy-in has never been better. The roster's never been better. The overall coaching staff has rarely have ever been better. But no one really fully acknowledges it on a national level. Why is that? Because your best is brought on by the pressure cooker that you're in, but it's such a pressure cooker because you got to compete against Alabama every single year. And as long as you get your head run into a wall by Alabama every year, from a national perspective now, strictly from a national perspective, people kind of dismiss everything else you're doing. Whereas if I were to take Texas A&M as a, as a product at this moment and drop them in the Big 12 or drop them, especially in like the Pac-12 and just have them play there this year, I think they would dominate the conference. Having said that, here's the follow-up. If Texas A&M was in the Pac-12, they would not exist as this entity because the pressure would not have produced the diamond, relatively speaking, that the A&M program has become. So what do you want? Do you want to exist in a more workable environment where you you can afford to loosen your tie every now and then? You can go home at noon and just get your work done the next day if you want to. Or do you want to exist in that pot of water where it's boiling year-round and the stovetop is on 11 year-round, but that water gets really, really hot. It gets a whole lot hotter than you'd ever be able to make it somewhere else. It's just that as a byproduct of what makes that water hotter, you also got to exist in the heat. So I don't know. It's, again, kind of said it in a previous point. It's a case-by-case basis. What do you want? What appeals to you more? Because the same way you may feel as a fan, you feel that way as a coach. The same way you may feel as a coach, maybe you feel that way as a player. So. It's good. It's good that you have those options out there. 
whether it be attending undergrad, whether it be attending grad, whether it be playing, whether it be coaching, whether it be rooting interest, if you didn't go to a major college and you just want to choose one to pull for, it's good to have options out there. Everything shouldn't look the same. All right, let's go to Joel next. Joel says, I have no clue if you remember this or not, but on a podcast a few months ago, you were talking about an Alabama-South Carolina game, and you said you had the most unique vantage point of that game that you had ever had, but you didn't go into any further detail. I was wondering what you meant by that. By the way, love the new Instagram account. Well, thank you, Joel. Thank you for the follow over there at Late Kick Josh. I remember mentioning this. I couldn't remember if I did it on Pod or on Late Kick Live. I'm very bad at saying I'm going to uh, get back to something and then I never get back to it. So let me get back to this. So I think it was 2019. It was when Bama goes to South Carolina. They don't go up there very often. So I like. I think um, what's one this year? I think Bama. Uh, speaking of Bama, they go to Florida this year. Like that's a game I'll try and be at. These irregular, atypical major program cross division matchups. I always try and get to as many of them. I went to Auburn at Florida a couple of years ago. I went to Georgia at LSU a couple of years ago. Now, granted, I get to do it for free or even get paid to do it. So otherwise it would be very expensive to do this. So here's the scene. Frequently when I'm at games and it's accessible, I'll go down the tunnels near the locker rooms and I'll be there when teams are going to come out. It's just a unique vantage point. No one ever gets to see that. Uh, This is what I'm talking about, by the way, with the Instagram account. When I talk about giving you some content, giving you some access and footage that you wouldn't see anywhere else. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Perfect case in point. On this day, I'm down the tunnel, the visiting tunnel. South Carolina's taking the field. They're taking the field to, you know, like the Ric Flair theme music. I forget what the title of that song is. Really, really popular though. So they're taking the field about the time Bama's coming out of the locker room. So they're coming out of their locker room and I look around and I say, wait a second, I'm just going to slip in there with them. This is going to be some of the greatest footage I ever shoot. So I slip in there. I'm, I'm standing like right between Najee Harris and Jedrick Wills. And we're standing in that tunnel. We, you know, myself and the team, we're standing there in that tunnel waiting to take the field, uh, waiting for the queue up there. And so I am inside that tunnel amidst Alabama's team. And I'm just holding up the cell phone and I'm just shooting footage. And you can hear the crowd going insane because this is a packed house still. It's pre-COVID. And place is shaking because you're kind of under the stands. So the place is shaking. You can kind of see ahead out of the tunnel and it's bright sunshine. So it's just like a blinding light ahead. And you're in the tunnel and it's a mass of humanity. Everyone's getting ready to take the field. It's, I think, maybe the conference opener. It's a road game. It's probably the first time, I think, on the road that year. So it was really, really cool. So I just kind of hold the phone up, and I'm filming. And then, boom, you get the cue from whoever on the CBS production crew is giving you the crew, and you start to take the field. I just I just ran out the tunnel with Alabama, and I was holding my phone up the entire time. So I was, I was able to pull it off undetected, probably because they were wearing their road white uniforms, and your boy, as usual, and I was in the white T-shirt, as usual. That's a home or road uniform for me. So that was funny, but in all seriousness, not that that wasn't serious, it certainly was, but in all seriousness, seriously, that's the kind of stuff that you can look forward to in the fall. That's the kind of stuff that any given Sunday night when I come back, I may have a story about, you may have already seen footage of. You just get to experience so many things. I've told you this story before, I won't go onto the soapbox again, but if you were to tell me I'm nine years old, I'm 13 years old, I'm 17 years old, and I'm watching college football on TV and you showed me a crystal ball and said, hey, one day you'll have this vantage point. I would have freaked out. I mean, that's a huge deal to me. Maybe it's not to a non-sports fan. But then again, if you're a non-sports fan, you're probably not listening to this podcast. So if you are a sports fan and to put a finer point on it, a college football fan, you're into that stuff. 
and I know I'm in a very, very privileged position to be able to experience some of that. And so I think it would be stupid of me to have something like a cell phone in my hand and to be able to experience what I'm experiencing and not take you with me as much as I can take you with me. And so I try and record as much of that as I can. If you've been following me actually on Instagram, I've been putting some of that stuff out that I was just digging through the iJosh the other day and found in the videos that I had from like two years ago, three years ago. So I've been putting some of that stuff out there, but the reason I'm looking forward to this fall is because we get access to a new 12 plus weeks of potential content. You never know what you're going to see. You never know what you're going to experience. It's it's interesting. It's a new adventure every week when you get to go on the road every week in the fall like I do. Next up in the persistence pays off department is Matt because he has been bothering me about this in a good way, in a very good way, Matt, for about a month or two. And so it's time, Matt, it is time right here on this morning or afternoon of April 13th, the year of our Lord 2021, to talk about some Michigan State football. Matt says, please talk about Michigan State. We have a brewing quarterback competition, Mel Tucker's second season, massive roster turnover. It includes 12 new transfers coming in, of which 11 are from Power 5 schools. Give us some love. I'll give you some attention, Matt, and I hope love, because I was talking to someone yesterday. I put out a tweet last week. I said, I think 2021 is going to be a renaissance year for college football, and I believe that, and I believe it has several layers to it. Number one, it's going to be a big deal to have people back in the stands. That experience, once you have it taken away from you, I think will mean a lot more. I think it'll make for a much better television product. But we're also looking at a situation where a program like Florida State or a program like Michigan State, they're in year two. It's kind of a reset, but there's this dramatic and drastic overhaul happening to where they're trying to speed up the process of overturning the roster. And since you mentioned East Lansing, that's exactly what Mel Tucker's doing there. He came in. I think there were a lot of doubters, and I think a lot more of that doubt had to do with just how much he was being paid. But it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I mean, think about the situation. He was at Colorado and Michigan State needed a head coach. They could afford to vastly overpay. And so that's not out of the realm of normalcy. In the corporate world, a lot of times, especially the organizations that are run the right way and they understand the long-term value proposition of getting the right people, they're very apt to just go in. And if the listing price is $4 million, they just go, we'll give you five and three quarter. We'll give you six and a quarter. Just come to us. Come to us, Mel Tucker. Well, they gave him a little bit more than that, didn't they? But they got him. And so if the long-term payoff is Mel Tucker being the right person, it doesn't matter. A million dollars, three million dollars. It doesn't matter what the difference was. They went and got him. I don't think a lot of folks nationally had an easy time squaring that dollar figure with the relatively limited resume of Mel Tucker. But if we just look at it in a vacuum and we just judge a coach based on merit and we judge a coach based on resources... That's the rate. That's the way I'll look at Mel Tucker. It's the way I am looking at him. So I'm looking at him right now. Year one, it's in the books. Year two, you hope to make look different than year one, not as result oriented as maybe you think, but as a product oriented approach. And by product oriented, you just want to make Michigan State football look as much like Mel Tucker's thumbprint as you can. I'm speaking as Mel Tucker right now. That's what I want. And then the results, come what may, hopefully will be dictated by my approach paying off. Well, that's what they're trying to do right now. It's the same way with Mike Norvell at Florida State. Now, what it is, is it's a race to see how much of that you can implement. If you believe, let's say in year one, that 15 to 20% of the program reflects you, and typically year two would be 50%, let's just say that's a random number, but let's just say that's the way it normally is. How do you get it to go from 20% to 75% in year two? Well, the way you do it, like you just said here, Matt, is you flip as much of the roster as you can. And I talked about the renaissance year for college football. What I hope is, 
at least one, if not more, of these rebuild projects that's only in year two, quote unquote, only in year two, just hits the switch and it flips on. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, Michigan State football's back. What? Who, who was it? Who's tied with Ohio State in the fourth quarter? Who just upset so-and-so on the road? That's what I hope we hear in year two. So when I said a renaissance year of college football, that's what it entails. Yes, you got the crowds. Yes, you got the TV product that's back to the way you want it. But also, when you look at the newness at the quarterback position in places like Tuscaloosa and Columbus and Clemson, and then you also look at some of the up-and-coming programs, you hope maybe there's this confluence of events and there's this convergence of competition to where the field come November just looks way more wide open than it normally is. And everyone has that parody they've been searching for. That's why I think 2021 will be a renaissance year in college football. Question for you, Matt, is will Mel Tucker and Michigan State be contributing to that effort? Dot, dot, dot. James has got a good one next about the difference between maybe a multi-sport athlete today versus, let's say, 25 years ago. I mean, this has got to do with Clemson, but really you could plug in a number of players and teams, and I'm going to hit it right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Here's James's question. He said, Clemson seems likely to lose Bubba Chandler to the July Major League Baseball draft. He was a June enrollee. Is there enough elite arm talent for college football and the MLB? Kyler Murray proved you can do both. But how much do, how much is he the exception to the case? Well, yeah, there's plenty of arm talent. There's never been more arm talent. So if the question here is just, are there enough elite arms to fill the quarterback positions and Major League Baseball bullpens and starting rotations? Yes. The answer is yes. Now, here's what I followed up with because I started talking to someone else stemming from this question. And it was, could you do both? Could you get in college? Could you go play college football and also college baseball? Well, first off, if you play quarterback and you were a pitcher, I'm, that would be tough. I mean, let's just say that. I'm not going to ever say never, but rare, extremely rare would be the case just from a time standpoint, let alone a workload standpoint. So I don't know how those two ideas would jive, but I also think this. I had a question the other day about just multi-sport athletes in general in college. Why don't you see more of them? Well, the reason is not because it's impossible, but my personal belief, as much as I advocate for kids playing as many sports as they can, you can't deny the reality that sports have never been more specialized than they are now. By that, I mean kids choose a sport earlier and earlier. And also, I'm a believer that at the college and pro levels, I don't think sports, especially in the cases of football and baseball, and especially, especially in the cases of pitching or quarterback, I don't think those positions have ever been played at a higher level. I don't think they've ever been more specialized than they are now. And what that means is it takes every ounce of your focus, every ounce of your mental and physical investment to be able to exist at the mid to top tiers in those respective practices, whether you're a college or major league pitcher or whether you're a college quarterback with aspirations to go on to the NFL. So again, it's possible there are always transcendent athletes that can be exceptions to rules. But by and large, you better choose one. That's just my humble and frank advice. 
to someone out there. It's great to have those dreams of playing multiple sports. I'm all for it in high school. I don't think in terms of your future earnings potential, let me put it this way, not just about having fun anymore, okay? You you are very business-minded once you get to the college level about this stuff. From a future earnings potential standpoint, you need to choose one. You turn on a Major League Baseball game these days, there are guys you've never heard of throwing 98. There are names you have never heard of hitting triple digits. The game's just different. Training, specialization, it's just different now. There are guys putting up astronomical stat lines that would have led college football in 1997. I know that's a lot about the evolution of offenses, but just in general terms, there are younger quarterbacks putting up bigger numbers too. What does that mean to you? Does it mean every offense got simplified? Maybe to some degree, but maybe not. Maybe the position got specialized to the point where high school training is different. And then individual coach training and Elite 11 evolved to the point where now the average four-star or higher quarterback coming out of high school has thousands additional mental and physical reps under his belt than a high school quarterback in 1998 or even 2008 would have had. The positions are more specialized. It's not just about what you can do in a vacuum. It's about who you're going to be competing against. There aren't enough spots for everyone. And so if you think you can fill one of those spots with your attention and your time divided against a lot of other guys who have their attention and time solely focused on that one aspect, I think you may be kidding yourself. So again, the moral of the story, play as many sports as you can as a kid. But then when you start to get into high school, I'd still say play as many as you can. But once you start to make a career path and you start to plan out your future from the college level and beyond, unless, you know, unless you're one of the greatest athletes in the history of this world, I would choose one. That's what I personally would do. How about Shane here? He's got something I was focused on a lot, doing a lot of reading on this last night. He said, I want to hear your thoughts on the new Apex program for name, image, and likeness at Florida State. Now, Shane, a lot of this stuff is just word salad for people. I know a lot of folks in the audience right now, when you hear name, image, and likeness, you're tired of it, first off. Secondly, it all runs together. Thirdly, no one has really explained this stuff to where you could then parrot that to your grandma and give her a nice summary in 30 seconds of what this is about. It just kind of is out there. It's nebulous, and everyone says it, and very few, if any, people who are talking about it know what it fully means. You're right. But that's because I think that it's very hard to define it right now. It is very nebulous. It's like trying to chase fog. It's like trying to grab a cloud. No one really gets what all this is going to be about. That's why it's really interesting to see the way that various athletic departments and football programs, in our case, are attacking this. So Florida State just made an announcement over the past weekend. It was no coincidence they had about 100 recruits in town, unofficially. They had 100 recruits in town while they, while they unveiled this bad boy. Here's what they did. They, are, they see the name, image, and likeness thing coming. Now, their state has been more aggressive in moving on legislation on this stuff, too. So they've had to be aggressive in turn. And so what they announced is they announced all these partnerships, and they have a branding platform in-house. Now, it's all in-house at Florida State. That's the first thing that stood out to where they will plug every athlete that comes through there into that program. I think they're going to get credit hours for attending classes focused on marketing and, and social media platforms, but also branding and influencing and just basically capitalizing on your, your name. That's really what it's all about. But I was over on Knowles 24-7. I was reading up on some of the finer points of it, and I'll tell you what stood out the most. There is going to be a system in place at Florida State. I'm not saying that they'll be solo on this. It's just the only one I've heard do this so far to where if I'm playing there, if I'm a four-star offensive guard, if I'm a five-star wide receiver at Florida State, I go to practice or I play in a game on Saturday. 
I immediately can go log into my personal account within this branding organization they have, and I have available to me all the photos and videos of myself that exist in the Florida State infrastructure, in their media infrastructure, and they belong to me. Do you know how huge that is? In a world where licensing is constantly a cloud over any content creator's head, you're always worried about who owns this, who owns that. Do I get access to this? Can I have access to that? I mean, guys, I don't even own the episodes of Late Kick, and I'm hosting them and producing them. But I don't own them because I am producing them on the CBS Sports platform, on the 24-7 platform. Therefore, it is owned by that corporate entity. I don't own that footage, even though it is of me. Well, if I'm that five-star wide receiver at Florida State, I own it. I own it. I own the footage of me participating while being in school on FSU's dime, while wearing that spear on my helmet, while wearing their jersey on my back, yet I own that, and it's made available to me to do with anything I want to, including marketing myself, including potential advertising opportunities. I don't think people have the slightest clue how huge that is. It is huge, Shane. Again, I don't think FSU is going to be the last one to do this by any stretch, but that opened up a new avenue that to this point, I'm not sure people realized was going to be there. And that, Shane, is why it's like chasing the fog. It's like trying to grab the cloud because everyone keeps asking, what is this going to entail? Well, a week ago, people weren't even talking about that, at least on a broad level. People weren't talking about that as being a possibility. But all of a sudden now, like all, all the footage and photographs that exist of me, or at least the ones that the university has control over, I have access to those and I can use them. It's kind of like me giving you a database of royalty-free music or royalty-free stock footage and B-roll. Well, if all of a sudden you have access to an entire catalog of your content that includes you, then that's a game changer. I mean, that stuff's worth a whole lot of money. And then ultimately, you attach yourself. If you got 4 million followers on Instagram, if you got 2.5 million on TikTok, well, you get to capitalize on that by putting footage of you out there, which grows your following, which attracts advertisers because you're an influencer. And all of a sudden, you're worth a lot more money because of being involved in that program. It's really amazing. It'll be bumpy. It'll be messy. There'll be some pitfalls. There'll be some lessons learned. There always are. But ultimately, whether you like it or not, you better be on board with it or you better step aside and let someone else lead your program. The best in the game, they're on board with it. They know they have to be. They don't, it doesn't, they don't even waste time arguing about whether they like it or not. They've just got to be. It's got to be. And so uh, Florida State, they, they are being right now. And I was talking to someone high up in the administrative side of another athletic department last night. And again, there is a tsunami of this stuff coming. I think maybe some other programs out there are just waiting until, let's say, oh, I don't know, this dead period lifts. And then there may be some major announcements coming then. That's about as far as I can go on that. But there are other announcements coming. So if your program has been silent on this so far, it's not because they're silent behind the scenes. They're just waiting for the right time. Good podcast this morning. I did not get to all the questions. I know I told some of you I would get to yours this morning. Don't worry. I still have them in the log here. We will get to them in due time. A lot of these are evergreen in nature, meaning they'll be relevant next week or week after that. So we'll get to them. Thank you so much, though. Uh, remember, at Late Kick Josh on Instagram and Twitter, and look forward to, in a to-be-determined release date, the Late Kick Show Owners Association meeting. We will be recording that tomorrow night. 
And so uh, you'll probably see some clips of it from me, unofficially, just raw clips. But we'll get that thing out pretty quickly. It could be as early as the Thursday podcast. So we'll see. Until then, for Producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless. God bless.